Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another edition of After Hours with Tifo and Luby. Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lubitz with you. And it was kind of an off night in the sporting world last night as the NBA finals are being strung out until late July. And yeah. the NHL Stanley Cup final has yet to get underway. That gets underway tonight. I was actually relegated to betting uh, first quarter over-unders in the WNBA game last night featuring the Washington Mystics. But uh, uh, never a bad time to talk sports with this gentleman. And a uh, pleasure to have him on after hours. Uh, Howard Bryant, a television personality and uh, extraordinary author and a very distinguished man uh, in the uh, world of sports journalism. Uh, we welcome him to the show. Howard, how are you, my friend? I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure because, uh, you know what, I, I grew up in the era where you, you didn't get that many baseball games on TV. And I, I love it that you're a big baseball fan and uh, are, are always involved in uh, commentating and writing and doing things uh, with the sport. Uh, and you have a new book out uh, about Ricky Henderson. And uh, I do remember the first time I, I read a book about sort of an oddball character in baseball. It was Fear Strikes Out. Uh, the story of Jimmy Pearsall, who was uh, played by Tony Perkins, of course, in the movie that we saw over and over again on Rainout Theater with uh, Carl Malden uh, playing the, uh, you know, very, very scrutinizing and uh, critical father. Uh, and, and Ricky would have to qualify and may, maybe not in the same way. I mean, he, he wasn't, uh, you know, certifiably crazy, but, uh, you know, he, he certainly was an oddball character uh, in, uh, you know, the same light as you would get like a Doc Ellis uh, uh, what inspired the book, and, and, and what did you find about Ricky, uh, you know, that uh, maybe uh, you, you hadn't thought of before or perceived him as before in, in uh, doing this undertaking, Howard Bryant? Well, I think one of the things that really guided me to do this book was simply I wanted to have some fun. I think more than anything else, I think that it's been a really difficult decade, and I think that there's been so many stories baseball-wise we always – sort of talk about it offline about how the game can the game please get a headline that's not steroid based or scandal based or labor based or something and i wanted to talk about somebody that i felt was underrated who was interesting and who who was a modern player that you could write about who didn't use up 80 percent of the book through steroids mm that you could really just talk about somebody and celebrate the game and sort of remind myself as to why, you know, why we watch the game, why we love the game. And, and somebody who at the end of the day, for as much as we talk about him being an oddball character, and he was a very, very um, aloof, strange, interesting individual. This guy obliterated the record book. I mean, you're talking top <laughs> shelf player. I mean, seriously. And it's staggering how good he was and that was really the attraction. I think the thing that I learned most about Ricky was how far ahead of his time he was. I think that when he was playing, the rap on Ricky he was not a popular player with his teammates. And a lot of times with the game, people thought he was a me guy. He was selfish. He was convinced about his money. He always wanted to get paid, of course. But what a shame to actually want to make your salary. And yeah. there was that stuff. But what we don't think about is how much he was ahead of the ahead of the curve in terms of you know the way he went about his business. Like for example, 
back then, if you were an outfielder, you were expected to play 150, 155 games every year. And Ricky got killed for not doing that. Ricky averaged about 135 games a year for his career. And now today, what do we see? Now we're seeing load management in baseball. Now we're actually wow. giving guys rest. The very thing that people killed Ricky for, for not being professional, is something that's now being adopted. Willie Mays played 150 games 13 straight years wow. in huge outfield, center field. Ricky averaged 135 games and still got 3,000 hits, which makes me ask the question in the, in the, in the inverse. How much better would Willie Mays have been with a little bit of rest? Mm. How much better would these guys have been if they didn't tear their bodies to pieces? And Ricky recognized that. One of the things in the book is that he was very, very clear that if Ricky didn't advocate for himself, he would have never reached the Hall of Fame. And he played a very, very physical style of baseball. He, he was always on the ground. He's always out in the action. And if he did what the Tony La Russa's and uh, the other managers he had in the world wanted him to do, he would have burned out the same way Tim Raines burned out, the same way Vince Coleman burned out, the same way Don Mattingly, all those high, you know, high numbers, you know, games, uh, you know, games played guys, they didn't last. Howard Bryant uh, with us has a book out about Ricky Henderson uh, among his uh, many uh, excellent uh, offerings uh, in the literary uh, sports uh, journalism uh, world. Uh, there was always, though, uh, Howard, too, I, I guess he's probably more known for this. Uh, never mind the stolen bases and the leadoff homers and, you know, the uh, you know flair with which he played the game. But uh, there always seemed to be an element of circus surrounding Ricky Henderson, uh, you know, including, I mean, he played a long time. Was, was he not uh, with like the Brooklyn Cyclones or something at one point in time uh, trying to resurrect his he baseball career? Newark, he played with the Newark Bears not once but twice and then played with the San Diego Surf Dogs. That was his yeah. final stop at the age of at the age of 46. Yeah, there is something that what made me interested in this book was a huge personality. I always tell people facts and ideas don't make books. Mm. Stories make books. Characters make books. You have to bring out the personality, and then you've got to add all the facts and all the information to it. But if you're only going to get facts and you're only going to get info, it's probably going to be more of a textbook. This is an electric human being. This is a, an amazing personality with an amazing story. And the talent, adding the talent on top of that just made it just an, a no-brainer for me to, to really dig into. And I think that the other piece of it with him is – Here's a guy who really was one of the most disliked players in the game in the early part of his career. And here was somebody whose reputation was a guy that didn't want to play. And yet here he is at 46 years old playing for the San Diego Surf Dogs. It kind of tells you yeah. he loved the game and that he really didn't want to let the game go. In fact, Ricky Henderson actually never officially retired. He kept calling and the phone finally stopped ringing in 2003 after the Dodgers. But he loved the game, and I just wanted to pay and uh, give a correction or a corrective to a lot of those narratives because people who do love the game, they loved Ricky. And also, he was a generational guy, too. You got to remember when Ricky came into the league in 1979, you had Dick Young and Red Smith were still writing. Yeah. And, and huh. Ricky, the, the old generation, you know, the newspaper generation couldn't stand him, but the new generation, the TV generation, they couldn't keep their eyes off of him. Kind of like uh, an Allen Iverson uh, with cleats. Uh, uh, talking to Harry Bryant, I, I know you have to run. Uh, j just one quick thought, if you would, uh, about the state of the game today, because, uh, you know, one of the uh, uh, great uh, pieces of artistry, uh, at least in my era of being a baseball fan, was a stolen base. 
a huge fan of, uh, you know, Lou Brock, Ricky Henderson, Davey Lopes. Uh, you know, you had uh, so many. Uh, Louis Aparicio before that. Uh, that, that. It was so exciting when they got on base. Maury Wills. Uh, you don't have that anymore. I, I know they've capitulated to the yeah. all or nothing home run and, and a zillion people striking out. What, what, what is your feeling about the status, uh, if you can capsulize it quickly here, with the time we have sure, left uh, uh, of the game of baseball today? Well, I talked to Ricky about it, and Ricky was very clear that, hey, why do we why do we assume that you can't steal bases and we do assume that the guys are, are going to drive us in? I talk about this all the time where we talk about what is Ricky Henderson's legacy. Sometimes I'm not sure he has one because he's a unicorn. They don't play the game the way he played it anymore, and you're not going to see what he did ever again, which is why I think he's such a fascinating character. They don't play baseball the way we remember it. All right, Howard. Uh, hey, thanks so much. Good luck with the book. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be very exciting, very interesting. One of the uh, underrated players of all time in sport in terms of his ability because of this sort of cloud of uh, circus nature that, that surrounded him all the time. Uh, thanks so much for being with us here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Howard. Thanks a lot, Howard Bryant. Very distinguished gentleman there, uh, Luby. Uh, that added an element of class to the show. Uh, yeah. Ricky Henderson always thought of uh, as an oddball, but uh, wow. I mean, one of the most effective leadoff hitters of all time in major league baseball. And, and you don't see that role as well defined in baseball today. Remember, I mean, you always uh, had certain parameters that you wanted in a, and guidelines that you wanted in a leadoff hitter and, and the really good ones were able to deliver on all fronts where, you know, they, they were going to work the, uh, you know, many uh, pitch walk, to start the ball game and then be a threat to steal second and third before you even got anybody out. So immediately disrupting the pitcher's momentum as he's trying to get into the game. And, uh, you know, it was a great distraction when uh, a Ricky Henderson or a Lou Brock was on base. And for the fans, there was always that uh, whole business of anticipation that uh, you were going to see an exciting play coming up. One of the most exciting plays in baseball, uh, obviously, uh, you know, aside from maybe legging out a triple with a throw that makes it close, uh, from right field in the corner by some guy with a great arm is uh, the stolen base and, and see if, uh, you know, uh, can you do it? Can you outrun the gun of, of a Johnny bench as one of the big base dealers when, when you know, everybody in the house knows that, that you're probably going to be going at, at almost any stage of the ball game. You just don't see that anymore. And uh, really underrated because he also hit home runs out of the yes. leadoff spot. Yes. Was, uh, was Ricky Henderson. Yep. And, uh, you know, he, he was known as kind of a, a flaky sort, I guess. Uh, so uh, very interesting that uh, that Howard Bryant would uh, take that up uh, in, in the book. Uh, all right. Uh, we, we had kind of a hiatus. I, I mentioned, uh, you know, before we brought Howard on, uh, really, I mean, relegated to uh, like WNBA games on the screens <laughs> at the sports bar that I was at. And, and then you also have this huge conflict coming up, Louie. I'm, uh, you know, Sort of intrigued to see how this comes off uh, with, with the live tour players and uh, defectors and, uh, you know, being perceived as American traitors, uh, openly embracing the uh, Saudi government that uh, helped finance the 9-11 attacks. And that uh, probably by no coincidence, 15 of the 19 terrorists that took place in the 9-11 attacks yeah, were Saudi Arabians. Yep. All right. Uh, so, I, you know, I. Coming to no conclusions here on uh, After Hours, but uh, you know how the story goes, right? Yep. Looks like, smells like, chances are, as Johnny Mathis would say, chances are there's something to this. No? Would you agree with that, Mike Luby-Luby? So do you not want to take a political stand here on uh, no, After you, Hours? Well, no, you, I, we try not to take too big of a political stand, but you know I have no problem taking a political stand. Uh, I, I 
think it, this whole thing's going to be interesting. The fact that they they were just, the, all the guys who left the PGA Tour were just kicked off the PGA Tour, at least for now, a week later, are already playing PGA Tour guys because the USGA and the PGA Tour are not synonymous. So because of that, the USGA is like, yeah, come on. So a week after they were just kicked off, Roy's making his comments about all of it. Now they have to play with each other. And I think that's going to be fun. It's funny. Golf is not the place where you think you're going to get high controversy and highly volatile uh, communication. But at least I'm presuming that you're going to get a lot of it this weekend. Like both sides have been very constant about how they feel. Like Dustin Johnson, Mickelson, all the guys on the live have been very, you know, loud and proud. Maybe not proud, but loud about why they're going, the fact they're going, and they don't really care. The PGA guys have all been very, you know, high and mighty about. Oh, well, they're they're angry. We're staying. You're you guys suck. What are you doing? McElroy you're not being American. Out exactly. And just slapping these guys around. And uh, we know that Brooks Kepka. Sellout artist by uh, going at a still, you know, relatively young age with a lot of golf uh, to be played ahead of him uh, to this live tour where, uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, if they always say, hey, uh, you know, there's a pride in beating the best. Uh, and let's face it, the PGA Tour is still stacked with the best players in the world. Uh, interesting. Speaking of stacked and, you know, me with my golf pool, uh, the person that put the pool together for the uh, country club at Brookline and the 2022 uh, U.S. Open as uh most of the uh, people, you have to pick a player from seven groups, and he's group. I want to say most of the guys that are on the live tour are on the same list, which many people expect them to collapse under the pressure. Maybe even be uh, this will be interesting to me. Will a golf crowd boo Phil Mickelson? Do you think a golf crowd will actually boo one, one yes, of the, that's the question. players on the yep, tour? Yep, yep. Phil, Phil could do pretty much anything. He could stiff a bookmaker. He could stiff a casino. He could, uh, you know, be uh, guilty of insider trading. Nobody seemed to care, right? It was Phil. He was fine. And, uh, you know, he seemed like a genuine, uh, you know, uh, decent human being. And uh, yet now he's done something unconscionable and embraced a government uh, here that uh, obviously, I mean, why are they throwing this kind of money? to stage eight golf tournaments, Louie. Well, because they just watching. want to have golf tournaments and, no, uh, you know, throw a bunch of money around? No, I mean, they're, they're using it for some kind of purpose, which is, uh, hey, now they have the name, image, and likeness of all of these big golf stars from around the world, and they're all kind of saying, hey, the Saudis want a lot of fun. You know, never mind, uh, you know, I mean, uh, they, the pieces of uh, Khashoggi that they could cover the greens with, uh, you know, which is a disgusting thought. But nonetheless, uh, you know, it, you have to ask yourself, do you have, and does your soul have a price? Uh, is it really that deep, Luby, or, or is it just obvious that uh, people don't give a flying one about anybody else anymore, and uh, why should they? And uh, that's just the way in the world. And, and if somebody is willing to pay you a couple of hundred million dollars uh, just to capitalize on your legacy, which is already pretty much in, you know buried in the past, then uh, why wouldn't you just take it as a buyout for uh, what was your career? You're never going to see this kind of money uh, with, uh, you know, uh, staying with competitive golf, uh, if you were Phil Mickelson. Was he going to see $200 million? No, no, no. I don't know what he was making from endorsements. But, uh, you know, when, when these quotes came out uh, about the uh, Saudi government before, when this writer who was writing an unauthorized uh, biography interviewed Phil supposedly on the record. Uh, but is anything off the record anymore uh, with, with uh, the communications uh, the way they are? Uh, people are digging up quotes that uh, guys had. Uh, like when uh, they were in elementary school 
and, and pointing them out as bigots, like uh, happened with that guy Hadar, the uh, great reliever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, for for the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. I mean, you know, and, and and you know, I guess it's fair game, you know, to see what somebody had to say in the past. But can you really, you know, go back to somebody's uh, opinion from uh, the time they were twelve and say, okay? You know, that's it. He's condemned uh, forever, you know, and not entitled to change his mind or maybe be uh, have become uh, educated or more aware. Maybe you had some uh, kind of racist uh, thoughts or tendencies, but you no longer uh, harbor those. And if anything, have uh, completely turned your life around. But is it fair to then dig that up out of the past, Louis, and uh, attribute that to somebody with uh, some level of permanence? That's the question. Yeah. Uh, and is this one of those issues? Uh, you know, because uh, it has become that. And, and, and when would you ever think uh, you would start a golf tournament with this level of contention among a, a large group of players? Right. I mean, you're talking about I, I don't know how many of the 20 defectors, not defectors. I mean, defecting from the <laughs> tour is hardly what you would consider to be like, uh, you know, leaving Cuba. But uh, I, I, I don't know how many uh, are in the uh, U.S. Open, but it, it, it's a formidable number. Because uh, what you have, DeChambeau, uh, Sergio, you have Phil, you have uh, Kevin Na, and uh, you have uh, Louis Wiestazen and Patrick Reed. They're, they're all among the guys that uh, have gone to the Live Tour. Yes. So uh, they're all on the same list. I, I, do you see? I, you see Dustin Johnson having a big tournament. I just think one of these guys will. I, I just I feel like either it's I know DeChambeau the last couple of years. It's funny he had a nice little run, and then the last two years it's just fallen off the face of the earth. But one of these guys that still has something left, because both DeChambeau and Johnson are actually younger guys. They're not, like, old. They just no. have – they're not winning consistently anymore. One of them, I feel like, will embrace the role of being heel. and Because that's what this thing is sort of – the professor, our buddy, who joins us every Friday on our morning show, did last week, did Live Golf Tour uh, WWE. Oh, that was great. F or WWE or wrestling. And he wasn't wrong. That's what this is sort of feeling like. You know, the PGA guys are Captain America. And they're the good guy, Hulk Hogan in his early days. And then you have... Well, they didn't sell out. I mean, uh, how tempting would it be for Tiger Woods to take a billion dollars? Do you you think he's going to make a a billion dollars or, you know... No, no. He'll make a lot, but not a billion. uh, You know, time that he has... he, He may never play another tournament. That's quite possible. Honestly, I know he has the endorsement, uh, you know, uh, prowess to uh, probably command uh, substantial sums of money. If he shows up at a Subway sandwich shop with Serena and uh, Tom Brady and uh, Jeter and he goes ahead and he orders a tuna with, uh, you know, he's probably worth like, uh, you know, 20 million or something like I, I don't know. What's he worth? To, to the image a of tiger? a lot of these companies, uh, a fortune. So, a time, uh, time, but, yeah. but would he have made a billion dollars uh, playing golf? Swoop? No, no way. No, no, no. I mean, he's going to be no done way. soon. He he tapped himself out, and that's the thing. This this tour, it's guys that are, you know, doing well enough where they don't need the money, and it's the guys that, I guess, outside of Phil, see the money going away at some point sooner than later, so why not get paid? And they have this, like, clashing, and it's something you never see that way. Even when guys hate each other in golf, they're very quiet. And, even when Phil and Tiger had their war, yeah. it was subtle. Like, they're not, like, out in the media. This is weird. This is different, and I actually yeah. haven't watched a golf tournament in a while. I'm actually geeked up for it. Like, can't, booze. can't uh, miss this <laughs> and, and see how they handle the whole thing, yeah. Uh, whether the crowd will actually boo some of these guys, Americans. No, the European guys, uh, they don't uh, you know, necessarily have the, you know, the same uh, political thought process nah, that nah, uh, nah. somebody that witnessed 9-11 uh, 
and, and experienced everything that uh, went on in this country uh, at that time and since. Uh, you know, and, and you know, do they have any empathy for this American journalist that was slaughtered on orders? Uh, you know, I mean, apparently uh, they're, you know, it's not like it takes a genius to deduce that maybe the sheik had something to do with it. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, the European guys, uh, you know, they, they mostly were guys like Ian Poulter. And, and uh, I don't know that we stays in as a shot fighter, but, you know, he, uh, you know, it doesn't have like that many wins left in his game. You would think some of the other guys that uh, went on the live tour uh, also probably were at the end of what was a decent, if not, uh, you know, excellent career in golf. So they cashed out. And, and you know, I, I mean, it, it's like. If you hear a Bob Dylan song, uh, you know, in a McDonald's commercial now, well, he, he sold the rights to his catalog. Yes, yes. So they can use it for anything, right? I mean, yes. uh, I guess whoever bought it. And, uh, you know, you're going to see where, you know, that that would have been an inconceivable oh, yeah. thing, uh, you know, for Dylan to say, hey, I, I'm going to write these songs for commercial purposes uh, other than making money on the song itself. But, uh, you know, I, I would love to have corporate America embrace my, my music when I'm condemning them with, with every lyric that I write. Um, you know, I mean, uh, look, is, is that the same type of sellout? That, that's that's the question. Uh, it, it seems that way to me that these guys uh, were, were pretty much uh, the European guys, especially at, at the tail end of their careers. And, and somebody throws a hundred million at them and they go, uh, where's this money coming from? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Well, no, it's like the coach with the recruiting where the head coach yeah. makes sure they're so far removed that they don't have to lie. They're yeah, like, well, exactly. I didn't know. Yeah, you it's didn't know. Tim Floyd handing a guy exactly. an envelope of cash. Floyd yeah. did the opposite. But it's, these guys probably ask no questions. They yeah. don't want any answers. Uh, my agent told me I had $100 million Exactly. I, I didn't question. That's yeah. it. I trust my agent. I trust my people. You know, uh, we're working like we're working with good people from what I know. Okay. A tournament in Boston, though. I mean, uh, the ultimate. I mean, their team is named the Patriots. For I, God's know, sake. I know, I know, I know. And they're loud fans. They're not like quiet. It's not like you know no. going to England. And McIlroy <laughs> wants to stick it right up the ass of these guys because uh, he, he's really <laughs> resentful, and uh, you know he's playing well now, so doesn't really need the added grief of taking a position on this. But uh, nonetheless, has chosen to be very outspoken about. Yep. His feelings uh, about these, uh, you know, I mean, uh, basically people who uh, crossed over into the darkness for money. Yep. Incredible. Yep. All right, uh, Louie, that, that, that was a lot of fun. I yeah, mean, uh, Howard time. Bryant, we thank him for being with us. And uh, the time has gone by very, very quickly here on another edition of After Hours. Uh, catch us on South Florida Live. Uh, how can people find this thing, Louie? Nice it's, and uh, easy. We're all over the there. place. You can check us out, South Florida Live YouTube channel. You can also look us up on our Twitter at so, SoFlyLive underscore Instagram at SoFlyLive underscore and right. on Facebook, The Default Show with Luby or South Florida Live at SoFlyLive on Facebook. Excellent. All right. Uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow here on uh, After Hours with Default and Luby. Uh, for Mike Luby Lubitz, I'm Jeff DeForest. And uh, no matter what you're doing, maintain the uh, concept that uh, it, it doesn't matter how things uh, are being adversely presented to you. You got to believe. Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style. And you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette, 
in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.